Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the JT and Looney podcast, episode 135, where we talk about a plethora, a cornucopia of things in the sports world and the real world. Powered by our partners at Bet Online, the number one source for all your betting needs and your sporting information, latest odds, news, sports developments, NBA, Summer League, Major League Baseball, the sweet science. You know I love the sweet science. UFC and next season's early NFL futures. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? There might be somebody on that board that's 80 to 1 that'll win the Super Bowl. The year the Ravens won the Super Bowl, they were 80 to 1. Somebody took home some case. Head to the website now or use your phone and sign up today. Get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit just for being friends with the JT and Looney podcast. We are powered also by the Believe Radio Network, spelled B-L-E-A-V. So use the promo code B-L-E-A-V, Believe, to get your bonus and get into the action. At Bet Online, where the game starts. And now the podcast starts, damn it. It's the summer of JT and Tom, as we're about to see each other tomorrow, as I'll be hosting the Jim Rome Show in Costa Mesa, California. Uh, so another trip out of the sun where it's 112 today and I'll be coming to the cool air of Southern California to see you, Tom. To quote the great 20th century philosopher, Bart Scott. Can't wait! <laughs> It'll be nice. I, I've had a great summer because it's the first time I can remember since I moved back here in Vegas in 2009. And I say it every year. I'm going to get out of here. I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. It's too hot. It's too hot. Right. I did. I went to Amsterdam. I went to Liverpool. I've been to San Diego twice. I've been to Costa Mesa, Newport Beach, because it is so hot. And I was thinking, is there any science? What happens one day if God and the sun decide to make it 170? Because it's oh. 112. And we, no. we don't control the sun. We don't have a shield. So if one day we woke up and it was just 110 and then it went to 170, I would not be surprised. And I don't know what if there's anything we can do about it. George Carlin did, did, a, did a big skit on that, that we're thinking we can change the temperature of the earth on uh, the arrogance of us. He did a great, great skit, uh, not even knowing. I think it was long before there was climate change, global warming or any study on it. He did a great skit about that. And what I here's what I'm upset about when it comes to all this. And that is there was a movie called An Inconvenient Truth. Mm-hmm. And if it was hosted by Morgan Freeman, it would have changed the world. But it was hosted by Al Gore. (laughs) You can't have a politician host an important movie like that. And everything in that movie is coming true. So I guess maybe we owe Al Gore an apology. But no, Hollywood owes us an apology. Someone else, non-political, should have hosted the movie. And then we all might have taken it more seriously. But half the people who saw that Al Gore was hosting the movie said, well, I don't like Al Gore. I'm not going to that movie. And so, therefore, it made it a blue-red thing, and people didn't go, and people didn't listen. And now everything in that movie, we're all either baking or freezing every six months. <laughs> and we're, God. Part the, we're part of the generation still, and my sisters who listen would know this, that they'd lay in the sun and just put baby oil on. Oh, they, they wow. didn't have any respect or none of us did. We grew up in Long Island, New York, where the weather was only nice two months of the year. So we'd run to Tobey Beach, 
or Jones Beach, and we'd lay out, and we'd put baby oil on us, not sunscreen, baby oil, and try to bake and get brown so we thought we'd look better. And we'd have a tan in Long Island where all the guidos already had the built-in tan, and everybody who had the Italian in them, we didn't have a problem, but those <laughs> of us who had a little Irish in us, we'd have to get through the burn, and then finally the tan would come through. Well, at Elmira, we went to Center Street Pool. Or the Finger Lakes, which was great. And uh, it, I, I think we used to still to this day, you know, I only use number four. I use Capitone number four. And, you know, because of uh, because of all the worry about skin cancer, et cetera, you have to get number four online. They don't even sell number four anywhere. And sometimes you can find an eight at the grocery store, but uh, or, or the right eight or whatever. I went to. Uh, the cancer screening doctor for skin cancer, you know, and you have to stand there and in your underwear and they check your head to toe to make sure you have no skin cancer of any kind and probably not good for one reason. I mean, the good news is I have none. The bad news is I can go right back out <laughs> like a, and slather myself in number four and get my vitamin D every way. Instead of taking a pill, as you know, I go running in the hills. Yeah, I think uh, you had more about how you looked in your underwear than you did about where they were checking for the cancer. <laughs> before the doctor came in and looked yes. in the mirror and said, yeah, I've yeah. had a pretty good summer. I've been hiking and running and walking out. I look yeah, pretty yeah. good. You're right. I, I did a fast for two weeks before I went to that uh, inspection. Kevin Durant did us no favors on a recent podcast. We talked about him uh, wanting out because of entitlement. We talked about loyalty in sports. In our last podcast, and we're still waiting on the deal. You in Los Angeles are still waiting on Kyrie Irving. And there's a report in the New York Post that Kyrie kind of wants to stay with the Nets with or without Kevin Durant. It, it really is real Orange County housewives. All this is now is athletes becoming housewives. And I think the athletes' girlfriends and wives watch The Real Housewives, and they watch it in the background, and they're trying to be that. They want the drama. They want to go to the Hamptons. They want to make decisions at the dining room table. They want to be able to post it and go on Draymond's podcast or another one. It's getting so fucking dramatic that these guys can just not just tell their agent, hey, text me when you got a deal, and I'll look at it. Let me know when we're close. And we just sit around like little kids on our phone. Did it happen? Did it happen? Did Woj put it out? Did Champs put it out? Is he going <laughs> to leave or not? And uh, that's kind of the NBA this summer. That's what the NBA has been about. The real housewives of the NBA. It's incredible. Well, one thing that you left out in the New York Post. On the New York Post, it's a tabloid-style paper. It's so it. on the back, it's got the sports. A big screaming sports headline that Kyrie now says he wants to stay on the front of the New York Post today. It said devil baby born with horns. So you got to remember, it's the New York Post that you're quoting there. So eh, when it comes to the Post is a crazy newspaper. And by the way, if I could write for any newspaper in the country, I'd want to write for the Post because I'd want to write. You know, it's a colorful, more colorful way of writing. It's terrific. And the alliteration and the exaggeration, the hyperbole all things I specialize in. So I'm a big fan of the post, but credibility wise, <laughs> uh, not so much. And I do think what's a lot of fun for Laker fans and the irony sometimes is that I've been making fun of Kyrie Irving for the past two years. And now I'm saying, Oh, please come to the Lakers. Please come to the Lakers. Please come to the Lakers. Cause I know it'll improve the team incredibly. And we're only a couple of years. We, I say, we, the Lakers, a couple of years off of a, of a national, of a world championship. So, uh, I'm hoping he does. And I think that that post article, uh, which I don't doubt, is a public relations scam. Uh, Kyrie Irving's trying to 
uh, clean a little up when it comes to public relations and maybe stay one step ahead of, of KD and try to look like a good guy and a sane guy so he can get himself traded somewhere good. I wanted to tell you my new favorite actor. My new, I have a new favorite actor Ooh. in L.A. He's the head coach of the Lakers, Darvin Ham. Oh. <laughs> on TV at Summer League, and he tells everybody how much he loves Russell Westbrook. He's like, Russ is going to do this. Russ is going to play defense. Russ is going to get back. He's going to screen and roll. Russ is going to do everything because Russ is that type of player. And I'm telling you, this guy's legit. He is badass. He, Darvin Ham looks like that guy. When you come out of the back alley of the bar, you want him right behind you. He's going to have your back. He's going to fight for you. And he really well, I'm excited. As, I'm excited about how he looks on television. I hope he's. As, I hope he's a great coach. He he looks to be a great coach, and he really is buying into what they're telling him that they can't move Russell Westbrook. So instead of him bemoaning on the fact that they can't move Russell Westbrook to get Kyrie Irving or make it easier, they could still get Kyrie. There's all hocus pocus with these numbers anyway. Oh, of course, uh, he's convinced that he can get one more year out of them. And I thought Rob Palenka, as we're talking Lakers, had an interesting point at Summer League. He talked about Anthony Davis having his greatest offseason. And I started laughing because two to three weeks ago, Darvin Ham was on the Rich Eisen show and said, oh, yeah, Anthony hasn't picked up a ball. Hasn't picked up a ball all offseason. And now the Lakers, Rob Palenka's like, this is the greatest offseason that Anthony Davis is having. He's so true to his body. And you are a guy who's true to your body. 365 and I just love when these athletes admit that they weren't into being in shape a couple of years ago they say well this year I'm really committed Harden's in the gym I'm really committed which means he's admitting that the last two years he wasn't committed yeah the things are sometimes that come out of their mouths when it comes to staying in shape it drives me crazier and baseball of course it's hard to get out of shape basketball the way they're running up and down that court uh, it drives me crazy when anybody in any sport or even coaches, when their job involves working seven days at a facility that has the gymnasium and chefs and personal trainers and kinesiologists, if you're not in shape, it's unprofessional. And we're allowed to make fun of you if you're fat. Okay. Maybe the rest of society, we're not supposed to do any fat shaming anymore, but when it comes to athletes, and professional sports and the, the money that they make we're allowed to poke fun of them if they're, if they're fat or if they're not working out and a, a great off season well you're supposed to have a great off season now you don't have to sell cars anymore it reminds me if you go back into the hot tub time machine when i did mornings at the wkfm in syracuse jt and i i had a boss named stereo steve and i was always arguing with Remember him that I was, name. you brought stereo steve oh yes auto. <laughs> yes and I remember we got in a big argument at work and I said, you know, I've been doing morning drive for two years, starting at 530 in the morning, and I've never been late for work. And he said, you're not supposed to be late for work. <laughs> and I was bragging because I was 23 and immature, bragging about how the fact that I, uh, I was coming to work on time. And now here we are. We have general managers and coaches bragging that guys are going to play defense. You're supposed to play defense and bragging that guys are working out in the offseason. You're supposed to work out in the offseason. Ridiculous. I want to talk about the moral high ground of Tiger Woods, the morality oh. of Eldrick Tiger Woods. The other day, I saw him at his, at his press conference from the bank vault the other day saying it others was, shouldn't. Take it, it was the greatest press conference of his entire life. Yeah, Maybe close. It was that good before because he never used to say anything ever. Absolutely. It was the best. It's the 150th anniversary of the Open Championship 
at the birthplace of golf of St. Andrews. And Tiger worked really hard. Everybody thinks Tiger worked really hard to get back to the Masters after the car accident. No, he worked really hard to get to this one because it's the 150th and it's the big one. And all the past winners came back and they barred Greg Norman, the RNA, Ban, they're in charge of the Open Championship. Ban two-time winner Greg Norman from going to the Champions Dinner because he started Live Golf, backed by Saudi Arabia's money. And I'm so irate that they wouldn't let Greg Norman go to a dinner. A dinner with all the greatness of his career. He was a great golfer. He was the number one golfer in the world. He had all these dramatic losses, especially at the Masters. But his crowning achievement was the Open Championship and winning it twice, and they wouldn't let him go. So Tiger steps up to the podium at St. Andrews, and he talks for a long time about his son, Charlie, the injury. But everybody was there to get his opinion on Liv. So he went out there and did the right thing. He's against Liv. He agrees that Norman shouldn't have been invited to the dinner. He thinks he's divisive and all that. And about the money, how these athletes now are going to get a lot of easy money. And I thought about Tiger Woods. On the throne in St. Andrews telling everybody about money. He makes over a billion dollars. He's the first billionaire in golf. He's made all the money, and deservedly so. He brought ratings to television. But how dare he talk about the morality of anything with the car accidents, uh, breaking up his family, apologizing to his mom in public as his agent made him do it, uh, leaving the sport for uh, drugs and alcohol, pills and alcohol, and all of this. So in one way, Tom, I was really happy that he spoke from the heart and stood up for the PGA Tour. But who the hell is he to take the moral high ground on any topic? Well, here's because sometimes that's a different subject. A lot of people don't equate sexuality with morality. Uh, But we're talking about money here. You're 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 those are two different subjects. Uh, you can bring that, but you have time to fill. So I see where, where you do what you did there. Believe me, look at your calendar. You got a lot of time to fill. I almost had to walk around the block last night after doing five hours of radio. Going, hey, anybody out there? Anybody out there? Anybody hear me? Anybody out there? Believe me, look at your calendar. But you, where the hypocrisy comes in, I don't think is with it. You know, people, guys have wandering eyes and wandering hands, and it's been a problem the way we're wired uh, since uh, since God made us. But uh, when it comes to how much money he's got in the bank compared to others, it, it just, it's tougher. It's, it's easy for him to say it's when always, a guy, wait, 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 whoa. when a guy has all that money, does he have the right to say to the guys who are clipping off a hundred million, getting invited to play for 80 million? Does he have the right to say, Hey, you know, you shouldn't go about it that way. You should go about it this way. When Tiger's got over a billion and several yachts and homes and these other guys are like, Hey, I'm not going to win a major the rest of my life. I could be Brandon Grayson win four million at Pumpkin Ridge in Portland, and that's a third of what I made my entire life as a golfer. Is Tiger the guy who should be talking money to these other guys? Well, that's what I'm saying. No, because even though he can say he did it the right way, he just did it within the PGA, et cetera, and then with endorsements. But still, when you've got that much, it's really easy to point at other people who are struggling and with gambling debts like Phil and say, don't take the money. It's really easy for the rich guy to say they need a a regular guy up there, a hacker to get up there to say, no, I'm not taking it. And I'm just going to still live in my forty two thousand dollar house in Elmira. I'll give Joey Sindelar get up there and get the press conference and say that.
<laughs> that Joey Sindelar drop. I knew you'd get one in there. <laughs> Hometown golfer. But, you know, whatever happens, and by the time you're listening to the podcast, we really appreciate it. We'll find out if Tiger makes the cut, if Tiger ends up getting it done. I'm going to go with Jordan Spieth to win. I was really close to picking Gary Woodland or Xander Shoffley. I know I irritate people when I say I never pick a foreign golfer to win a major because the foreign golfers love to kick our ass. They spray champagne all over our locker rooms at the Ryder Cup from balconies, and they laugh and they sing, hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, when they beat us. So why would I want a Euro to win any tournament when I have a bunch of Americans competing there? So I'll go with the American Jordan Spieth, who could have the yips. He could be He could be up. How's he putting these days? That's He's the key with Jordan. And, and he yeah. plays well at this this beautiful, the birthplace of golf, because you can spray it. You don't have to drive it perfectly. And he has an incredible short game. His short game's amazing. So when you leave it short or you're 60 yards out and you got these undulating greens, he can find a way to just put it in there perfectly and win. Undulating. Wow. As a guy who's used to use the big word guy over here, undulating greens. What's an undulating green? Well, it just has different tiers and a lot of slopes and it moves. <laughs> You know, it's amazing what happens when you watch this golf tournament. Because <laughs> yeah, so you get to steal fucking words like undulating. Wow. What I like about this tournament is you can do what I do. You can miss the ball. You can hit it on the ground accidentally, and it rolls. It rolls 150 <laughs> yards, and nothing gets in the way of it other than a potbelly bunker. And this is where Tiger Woods always played so well over the years in his prime because, you know, if you remember when Tiger was in his prime, he used to spray the ball all over. Even even when he was having shootouts, which he had very few, but when he had shootouts at times, he would still spray the ball all over and then put it in for a birdie. Wanted to tell you, I just got back from Park City, Utah. Never been there oh, in my life. Wow. Uh, beautiful. And I've been to a lot of ski towns over the years. Living out west, my buddies go on, and I go on one big I saw your tweets. It was beautiful. Yeah, so we've been to Tahoe 20 times or 12 times. I've been to Aspen, Vail, Breckenridge, Telluride. But we went on a golf trip, and a couple of buddies of mine and the significant, significant others, and we went up and we golfed. We stayed at a beautiful resort, and I made one mistake which I wanted to run by you, and I'm ashamed to say this. Okay. Uh-oh. Uh, we drank heavy red wine in the mountains. So we had our travel and leisure podcast a couple of weeks ago. Right. Uh, I only like red wine. I despise white wine. Despise you never it? will. Oh. Yes, you, have, you never will ever see me holding a glass of Pinot or a Chardonnay. I'm a man. <laughs> I'm over 40. I don't drink white wine under any circumstance. And people over the years have been trying to get me out of that. Well, try this, Rosé. No, I like a big, bold, peppery, thick Cabernet Sauvignon. So my buddy Steve said, hey, here's one rule, because he put together this trip and he set it up. He said, everybody bring two bottles of wine. So I went to Total Wine and I bought the wine skin to carry the wine. I bought two really nice bottles of wine, put it in my luggage because it's 2022 and you can't get on an airplane on a backpack with wine, right? right. After 9-11, that's too yep. crazy. So you put it in there. I packed it. We got up there and we let it breathe. I didn't realize the elevation we were in. So after golfing, after being in the mountains, going to dinner, opening up big reds, I had the worst cotton mouth of my life. And one night I didn't sleep a wink went to bed with my wife around one and I never ever closed my eyes because of the elevation, the red wine, the cotton mouth. I was up every 20 minutes drinking 
a full bottle of water there. So my message to everyone is put down the big, bold reds in the summer, especially if you're in elevation and you want to get some sleep. Well, I, wine has kind of always done that to me as well, kind of kept me up. I've, I've As you know, I, my entire life, I've flown by the seat of my pants and slept like a baby. And that is my philosophy, taking big risks with uh, professional careers, et cetera, and, uh, and just slept just fine. But I have made those mistakes sometimes as well on – on those trips, I, w- I was hiking near Pikes Peak, Colorado Springs, because I got to get a workout in while I'm on vacation because it's, I'm insane. And I forgot about the elevation as well. I'm hiking up. There's these these railroad ties that go up the side of this hill towards Pike Peak. And I'm, going, oh, I'm making sounds. I sound like a donkey. Right? <laughs> I am making sounds a human being should not make because uh, of the elevation. You got to be careful in that elevation. And so. I didn't know this. So the, you feel the wine faster when you're at that elevation and then you feel it all night as well. Yeah, I think that's oh. the, the big hook to the story is, is that the elevation and the wine, wow. the issues of that. I mean, I have real big problems in life. I'm in Park City drinking oh, big famous yes. wine and I can't <laughs> sleep at night. I have all the problems in the world there. But just yeah, this is another yeah, one of those Saturday Night Live skits, white people problems. Just, oh, be careful drinking too much wine when you're in Park City, Utah. Uh, the summer is coming along nice because I've been able to get out of the heat. As we mentioned, I've been able to leave the heat in Vegas, something I've always promised myself I would do. Went to Amsterdam, Liverpool, uh, had a chance to go away a few times, as we said. And we talked about the heat here in Vegas, but I spent a couple of days at NBA Summer League. And in the podcast, I wanted to thank Albert Hall from Hall Pass Media, one of the visionaries behind it. And the other day I went and I had a few hours in between shows. I had lunch with our buddy Kurt Heelan. Oh, wow. BC. We Good guy. We had a great lunch, and we talked basketball, and I sat there, and I saw the logo, Jerry West. He was eating ice cream at his little seat. He was, was he cursing? Saying this no. fucking ice cream. I hate this fucking ice cream. I thought it was going to be good. It's fucking ice cream. No, he wasn't the talking. Reason, the no. reason why I think he was so happy is that Slarmy Show Winning Time only got one Emmy nomination. It got trashed wow. in the Emmy, so it went over. What like was the nomination? Movie. It wasn't John C. Riley didn't get and nominated nothing. for. Uh, pretty greatest... much, we can go check back and do the edit here and post wow. something. But uh, it was a disaster on that. So oh I saw God. the logo there, but it was interesting to see what's happening in NBA Summer League now, because the players all make their entrance, so the players don't have to play in Summer League. The veterans, right? So they show up right. and they support their team, but when they come in, man, these guys. Mm-hmm. Shorts, $400 sneakers, diamond-crusted chains, the coolest baseball hats I've never seen, just the coolest prints on their T-shirt, man. They walk in from the tunnel. Crowd goes crazy. They sit in the front row. They watch the little kids who are never going to make it in the NBA, who dream of making it in the NBA, maybe the G League. And they sit there, and they are the coolest athletes, baseball players, football players maybe, but, Tom, why is it that no one carries themselves like an NBA player? Maybe an F1 driver in, you know, somewhere in Europe possibly, but these NBA players are cool, man. Do we all owe or do they all owe David Stern an apology? Remember when he put in a dress code? And so and they fought the dress code, racist dress code, whatever. And now... It's amazing the way these NBA players dress now that they've been told to dress nice and they'll go over the top with fashion. And I suppose it's everyone's definition of nice, but they're not wearing jeans and T-shirts anymore. 
And it is pretty amazing. One thing you wish when you're in Vegas, you know, we used to go. There's always a great Cinco de Mayo fight in Vegas. And there's a great weekend with Kentucky Derby and Cinco de Mayo fights. And we'd see the NBA players who aren't in the playoffs that would go to the big fights over Cinco de Mayo. And sometimes you wish that they had their name on their back. It's so much easier when they have their name on their back. Some of them, I'll never forget going back in the hot tub time machine. We're watching the fight when we work with Stephen A. So we're here with Stephen A. Smith. It was Oscar De La Hoya and Manny Pacquiao. And remember, it was Manny Pacquiao at his best. Manny Pacquiao could have beat Mike Tyson that night. And God, did Oscar get his ass kicked. But I'm sitting there with Stephen A. And two things. First of all, I'm sitting there with Stephen A. As, as Oscar's getting his ass kicked. And I said, is Oscar playing possum or is he growing old? And Stephen A. said, one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but I, I, between fights before the Oscar fight, uh, he was back in the uh, and, and I went back to the restroom. He's back there talking to players and he came back out and sit, sat down. And I said, I saw you talking to uh, to Marion Barry. And he said, that was Brandon Roy. <laughs> I felt so I just felt so white at that moment. But it is much, so much harder when these players don't have the, uh, their names on their back of their jerseys. But it is amazing the way they dress. One more thing I wanted to mention, and it's kind of it's it's definitely going to rub some people the wrong way, and I could care less. I watched the video of the police stand back in Uvalde during the shooting that killed all those little kids, those elementary school kids, and I just wanted to say that I am pro cop. I have always been pro police. I went to high school with some of my best friends who are police officers who are now retiring. Mm -hmm. I think police officers who put themselves in harm's way our heroes, I think the typical cop that goes to work every morning and says goodbye to their partner, their kids, doesn't know if he's going to come home. It is a very difficult job. And the ones who don't do their job right, I've always said, get them out. Okay, find yep. a way to get them out and investigate them. But the majority, just like 99% of football players are great guys. And then you see right. the story and they say, look at those. No, they're all great guys, except for a tiny percent. And the same with cops. When I watch that video, of those cops standing back as the shooter was in the classroom in Ovaldi. And in the corner, they had the clock going 30 minutes, 42 minutes, 50 minutes. And they had shields and helmets on and high action rifles. And the gun popping was going off. And they didn't have the courage. They didn't have the courage to put there. And one of those gentlemen, and I'm sure there's one or two of them who wanted to go. More of this is going to come out, so I don't want to go out there and paint a picture mm -hmm. that they were all cowards right. or this or that. But I cannot believe that one or two of those gentlemen with all that body armor and their shield and their high-action rifles didn't say, I'm going. No, I'm going and go to that classroom and take down that shooter as all those little children's parents were outside Wondering what was going to happen. It was so troublesome to watch that video, Tom. I don't know if I'm going to get over it anytime soon. And we have to do something you know, to dovetail on what you're saying. There's just like there's lots of great priests, but we can't treat police like they, they've been doing the same thing with with cops that they did with priests and move them around. OK, fire them. Then you can just go right down. To, you can go from Riverside. OK, I'll go over to Cherry Hill, New Jersey now, and I'll be a cop. You can't it, once you're done. You got to be done. You know, with the priests and with the cops, once you're done, you're done. You just can't go to another jurisdiction and become a police officer again if you've screwed up like that. So that's one thing on that. And I have 
always over the years, whether it was in Connecticut, you know, I can't even, can't always even name the school shootings. Columbine, you remember, because it's kind of the first big one. I have a hard time watching those stories. And sometimes it's irresponsible because I'm a news anchor now. And when that one happened, I was just packing and getting ready to go to Mexico. It was a nice time to go on vacation when that happened. We have to do something in general, too, in the macro sense about this particular quirk in our culture right now, where what is wrong with us? Other countries have free guns. Other countries have have uh, you can go to the pharmacy and get painkillers or steroids and they don't have the problems that we have with drugs. We've got to get a hold of ourselves in several different areas. Stop pointing fingers and say it's a blue problem, a red problem. It's our problem, whether it's homelessness, school shootings, uh, drug issues. What we have to figure out what's our problem, stop pointing fingers and try to get together and say it's our fault. We're Americans. It's all of our fault. It's happening in our culture. Uh, it's not an other problem. It's our problem and take care of it. Those nine, 10, 11 year olds, the teachers, they deserve better. They deserve better. They deserve much better at that moment. You can't train for anything like that. And I'm sure there's training and there's hostage negotiations. And when there's multiple shooters and how you tactically try to figure out what you're going to do, but going forward, going forward from here on out and nothing good's going to come out of this, but going forward, if this ever happens again, I hope there's a female or a male cop uh, that's there that says, I am going. I'm going to go in there and do my best to put my life on the line, which I swore to do for these young little boys and girls and try to save one of their lives. That was a failure at the highest level of policing. I'm pro cop. I was really disappointed by that. It's troubled me all week, and I wanted to talk about it with you. To end on an inspirational note, because a lot of times we love to talk about what we're watching. And I think you will love this. Hopefully you haven't seen it so I can surprise you with it and uh, you'll enjoy it. Starring Adam West. It's on Adam Amazon. Have you seen it? I have not. Oh, because you grow up watching WPIX and Batman and I Dream of Genie and Land of the Giants. Oh, yes. And oh, my God, you'll love it. It's a great inspirational story, a comeback story, because he was coming up in the 60s with Clint Eastwood and all those great actors. He was a cowboy actor. He was this masculine guy with this great voice. And all those guys were destined to be stars. But he took the Batman role. And he did such a great job, job at it, almost like you know, Fred Gwynn, who took the Herman Munster role. And then nobody wanted him for 20 years. And it's a great comeback story. And then he moved to Idaho and said, OK, I'm done. He moved to Idaho. And then he started getting all these acting jobs. <laughs> and it's a great story. Thanks in great part to Howard Stern, who said, oh, Adam West wants to be on because as a little kid. He watched Batman. And it, Howard Stern helped him turn it around, even though Howard Stern didn't know he was being used for that purpose and a, a kid who was a fan became his agent and turned everything around for him and it's a great inspirational story was little tommy looney more of a superman or batman guy growing oh up? it's hard to say i love those old black and white supermans uh, on wpix as well more of a superman or batman i would guess batman because it was in color <laughs> and uh, batman was more i think superman was probably made before we were born but batman was more contemporary batman i'd have to go with batman but i really liked both i was more evil knievel because i had the one oh 
I had the wind up evil Knievel. Oh, Knievel I met in Vegas. He lived across the street at the apartment complex. I met and he was an icon in Vegas. So if I had to rank him Batman, Superman, I'd go evil Knievel one. And then I'd go. I have no problem. You know, my mother passed in May and I gave the eulogy. And I forgot this part of the eulogy. When you grow up in a house, my dad died young. With a mother who has a crush on Evil Knievel, you know you're going to have an adventurous life. And when you're a kid, you don't know what a crush is, but I'm an adult now, and I know what that is. And my mother was saying to the boys, my mother had to raise two boys. It wasn't the boys boring the mom with the motorcycle jumper. It was the mom saying, kids, get in here. Check out this guy, because he was so charismatic. He would do talk shows that my mother would watch, like David Frost and Murph Griffin. She said, get in here. You got to see this guy. He's got guts. So we were raised to revere guys with guts like Evil Knievel. I have no problem with your list. Thanks for listening. Download, as always, and share the JT and Looney podcast. If we get our numbers up, we'll be able to buy each other a cafe latte. Next <laughs> Thanks for watching and listening. Thank you for listening to all 32 minutes and 32 seconds of the JT and Looney podcast, powered by our friends at Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.